Welcome, welcome to yet another edition of Fix It Talk Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Brown, and today we've got producer Nitchy and Squid is back on the pod. Squid, how are we doing? Oh man, I am doing great. My mood goes with how the Celtics are playing, so I am just, I'm all fired up. I love to hear it. Now, before we get started, I see there's a weird-ass name that, on your Zoom ID right here. Alexander Brandt. What the hell is this? The, you know, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm on my buddy's computer. He has an amazing uh, sound, sound set, so I am, <laughs> I'm using his mic. He's got a really nice, expensive mic here, so I am, uh, I'm on the nice ones and twos today, whatever that means. I'm not messing around, but yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Love to hear it. Well, we are here to talk some Celtics. It's been a been a bit since we've gotten to dive into the Boston Celtics so it's time to we get back to it the Celtics currently sit at 32 and 27 after their 99 to 86 win over the Phoenix Suns uh, earlier tonight uh, there that makes them 11 four since we last spoke on the pod about the Celtics and that puts them at eight and two in their last 10 and that would leave them sitting tied for fifth in the Eastern Conference currently. Uh, so they seem to be turning a corner. They're, they're putting together wins, and not just any wins, impressive wins. They're, they're beating the likes of teams like the Knicks and, and the Warriors, who are, are, are technically in the playoff hunt, the Knicks especially so. so they're sitting at fourth. Uh, we, can, we can talk a little Eight bit about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to dive into our thoughts on that a little bit but i mean they're they're most the celtics most recent six game winning streak features wins against those knicks the warriors and a three game road trip sweep of the nuggets trailblazers and lakers so squid the question i got for you to lead off with have the celtics finally turn the corner on their season oh baby yeah you know i mean it's hard to argue against it they're they've been this team has been immaculate since the trade deadline and uh you know i think there's a there's one major factor playing into that which you know i'll get into a little bit later but i i do think the celtics have turned the corner um and it's funny because a lot of people wanted to say well you know they're healthy so they're turning the corner but you've seen these last few games they're not really healthy at all and they're still winning games and i think there's a good reason why for that um, i'm not going to spoil what my reason is right now but i do have that reason and you will have to wait till later in the show to hear without reason why <laughs> That's that's my man right there. An A plus tease. A plus. Uh, I would I would also tend to agree. I, it does appear that they have finally turned the corner, uh, but they still got a ways to go, man. And I'm sure we'll get into it. But like we were harp, we've harped on in the pod before the bench. It's it still is not even with the recent additions uh, that they acquired around the trade deadline and recently off the waiver wire uh, free agency it's still a work in progress at the very least. Uh, the bench is still the worst in the league, both since the trade deadline and overall in the, on the season in terms of points per game, despite getting the 12th most minutes of any bench on the season. Uh, now that's only 25th uh, since the trade deadline. So Brad's been pumping out the starters a lot more recently. And Hey, if man, if, if anything that shows how great the starters are playing, maybe, maybe he's on to something. Maybe he's finally given up on the bench and is starting to get the, the playoff rotation remote minutes going uh, as we get closer and closer to the start of the playoffs, which is in less than a month now. Uh, kind of crazy to believe. 
but uh I, I do I am I'm I'm casual like caught like cautiously optimistic about the Celtics uh, I do feel they've turned the corner but they, they've still got some 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 things to work out as they head onto their playoff push uh, just because I, I, I you can only rely on your starters so much I mean you got to have some sort of punch that the bench provides and not just stabilize and they can't be, you can't be trying out the bench just to, Oh, just hold down the fort for a couple minutes so that Tatum and Brown can get a breather. Like, no, that's yeah. just not, that can't be it. They're not Michael Jordan. They're not, that's, they're not, they're not going to go play in the finals and play, you know, play 42 of the 48 minutes in the game and, and go for 50 every game. It's not going to happen. They're 23, 24 years old. So, I mean, Hey, if there's been one constant on the bench, I know I've harped on it on this pod a few times now, and that is Peyton Pritchard. I mean, he's, no, he's not going to get go for 30 points at the bench, but man, he consistently comes in and gives you good ball handling and, you know, scrappy defense and, you know, five to 15 points in that range somewhere every night. And that's kind of all you can ask for out of a rookie. And, you know, it's a, it's a promising sign. It's a promising sign. I've liked what I've seen from Jabari Parker. So. Mm-hmm. And we'll get more into Parker as well yeah. as the trade acquisitions in just a little bit, but I want to get move and talk about Tatum. Jason Tatum, man, what more can you say about the man? He has been balling of late. He's averaging 28.4 points per game over his past 14 games entering tonight. Obviously, if you look at the box score from the, tonight against the Suns, uh, less than stellar for sure. Um, but uh, my question is, can Tatum keep up this hot stretch that he's currently on? He's averaging nearly 30 points a game, Squid. Can he keep this up going into the playoffs? For a playoff run? Yeah, you know, that, that's a great question. Um, I, I think the first thing we got to think about with Tatum is, you know, right, you look at tonight's game and you see, you know, not great shooting percentages at, at all. Um, but he is filling the stat sheet up. So he had a double-double, uh, 15 points over 10 boards and, you know, six, seven assists. Uh, so he's right there. And so he's filling the stat sheet up. Last game he had a triple-double. So the two shooting nights he's he has been off, he has filled the stat sheet up. And that's, you know, that's what a superstar does. So if they're off shooting, they're going to affect the games in other ways. They're going to manipulate it through passing, through rebounding, through defense. And that was what Jason Tatum is doing outside of this, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal scoring stretch we've seen where he goes toe to toe with the greatest shooter ever. And, you know, he out, he out, he outdoes them. He outdoes them and protected, he protected Boston. Uh, He protected the garden. And he said, Steph, this is my house. I'm sorry. Went for, you know, 44 points. Um, Yeah, man, he was, Jason Tatum was awesome. He's been awesome this last month. And I do, I am a believer in Jason Tatum doing this long-term because eventually, and you have to think eventually this team will be back and healthy. Kemba will play every game because there won't be back-to-backs in the playoffs. We're not in the bubble anymore. And Jason Tatum is going to have the rest he needs. And that's going to allow Jason Tatum to be the best Jason Tatum. I mean, he's taught, like I said, he's top 10 in the league in minutes right now. He needs some rest. He does. And he's, it's, it's been earned, but yeah. on nights like tonight where you have no Jalen Brown, you have no Robert Williams, and you're kind of no Evan Fournier, you're, you're kind of short guys on the bench and you're forced to start a guy like Romeo Langford and he doesn't provide a whole lot much to you. So the, yeah. the burden falls on a Tatum and in this case tonight, a Kemba Walker. And that leads me to my next point uh, and my next question. Uh, Kemba Walker uh, seems to be picking it up of late. He's averaging 16.6 points per game on 42% from the field over his last nine games played entering tonight. Tonight, he he dropped a cool 32 points on 11 of 17 shooting from the field, 5 of 11 from three-point. I mean, looking like the old the Kemba Walker of old that we've known to 
uh, love and that used to watch for the most part. Uh, certainly a far cry from the Kemba we got uh, easing, working his way back from the knee injury at the start of the season. Uh, so is Kemba's recent production going to be at that, that sort of in that 17, 18 points per game range? Is that enough for the Celtics to make another deep playoff run? That's a great question. Um, you know, I there was a stat I saw on, I believe it was Monday's game against Chicago or Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. Um, you know, that awful game that Danny Ainge was announcing for some reason. That was the worst broadcast I've ever heard, uh, FYI. Um, yeah, you know, Kemba, there's a stat where Kemba's point differential from the first month he played to the last month, to the most recent month, and it's gone up significantly each month. And he's now, I mean, Kemba is affecting, you can tell he's affecting the game in an extremely positive way. And that is something that we did not see from Kemba at the end of last year, for the most part, and the start of this year. And Kemba Walker, I'm not going to say he's Charlotte Kemba, but he is man, he, he's getting going here. And if he's going to play like this, he's been assisting the ball more. He has been, been more selective with the shots. Yes. I think he, that will be effective to make a long playoff run because Kemba Kemba knows he's the third guy. Jalen and Tatum have established their roles. I mean, like Kemba knows he's the third guy and that's, what's going to be important for the Celtics going forward is that Kemba, you know, you can stagger him and let him run with units where there's no other primary scores on. So he won't feel like he just has to like do three things at once and he can just go Kemba mode. Like he did in Charlotte. I, I agree with everything you said, but the one thing I will say is that for a guy that's getting a max con who has a max contract and doesn't really offer you a ton on the defensive end. If I mean, outside of maybe a steal or so a game, he's undersized. We all know that you're looking for that offensive production and he's a scorer by nature. He's not a pass first point guard. So you're looking for that big time scoring production from him and 16, 17, which is where he's sort of been at that 16, 17, 18. I just don't think that's enough. That's quite enough. I, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking here, but I think he's got to be closer to 20, 19, 20. Uh, I know that's, that's very close. That's only a point, a basket or two difference but he doesn't add much more outside of points per game. Yes. He, he, he chips in a handful of rebounds and assists, but he's not the leading assist getter on this team. That's Marcus smart. He's not the leading rebounder. Like he does a little bit of everything on offense and especially so as a scorer, but without, but since he doesn't really offer a heck of a lot on defense, you need that big time offensive production. He's got to be that third dominant scorer on this team. If the Celtics are going to make a deep playoff push again. And so while I do agree with you, I, he's getting there. He's played much better tonight with a great indication that he's really starting to put together some vintage Kemba Walker performances. I, I don't think he's quite yet there just yet. Uh, I think, but I think it could be coming. And trend upwards, right? Education. Trend upwards, just like a stock. You know, he's got to keep going, trending upwards. And you know, when that playoff comes around, you hope you hope that stock pops. And he, you know, he says, "Okay, it's playoff time. I'm going to go all out." And who knows? Maybe he balls out in the playoffs, and teams will be offering first round picks for him over the summer. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Uh, but I do want to bring up real quick something before we move on. You brought up the the scowl and Danny Ainge broadcast how was that i didn't get a chance to watch it i i saw twitter reacting to it a certain way man if you if you follow me if you if you follow my celtics uh my celtics talk uh youtube or just my twitter in general you know i can't stand brian scalabrine in the booth 
Brian Scalabrini just he, he has a smugness to him and he is he's a color guy so whatever fine he's gonna make his comments and you know there's a lot of not great color commentators um but as a play-by-play announcer Brian Scalabrini it made me mute my TV he was he just he he doesn't have any flow to him. He has no flair. He, he just, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like cause he got so much hype for being the white mom, but he thinks people just like him and no matter what he says. And I'm like, nah, dude, you gotta like, you're now an announcer. You have to be relatable to the people watching the game. You can't go from an all time legend like Tommy Heinsohn who, you know, would snap on the refs, but he was a joy to listen to every night to Brian Scalabrini giving his just lukewarm energy. Like, I mean, energy during each game and that it's frustrating to me. And Danny Ainge, I mean, Danny couldn't say much cause he, if, he, if he said too many things, he would break rules. Like, <laughs> yeah. What was the thinking behind this? What did you expect? I, I feel like he just gave like three word answers, like mm-hmm. to all of the questions. And he barely said anything. He, he, he barely said anything. And then at the end of the game, Scal was like, Hey, you know, uh, Danny, did you have fun? He's like, no, I didn't. And then he literally said that and he was <laughs> being was dead my serious. Best part. <laughs> and then, and then Scal, and then Scal was like, Oh, well, did you at least like enjoy the experience? He's like, no. And he was just like angry because obviously they lost the Bulls. Who wouldn't be angry? But like, you know, that was a mess. I mean, it's the Boston Celtics. They've won 17 titles. They're the most decorated team in potentially sports history besides the team in New York that we don't talk about, the, the Yankees, whatever. Um, you know, it's just how can you not do better for a, for a commentator than Brian Scalabrini and the GM who doesn't want to talk? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm honestly, it seems to be that it was a good thing that I, I couldn't watch that game, that it was hey, only all local broadcast. I've start I've started the petition. Um, I've started, I'm starting a petition to get Brian Scalabrini out of the booth after the season. Cause we, we, we need a guy with some flair to him this next year. It's he's been born. I don't like him. That's just my opinion, but. All right, let's move on. We brought up sort of the recent acquisitions that the team has made over the recent weeks at the trade deadline they went out and acquired Evan Fournier for a pair of second round picks from the Magic they brought in Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett from the Bulls for Tice and they just recently signed Japari Parker after waving Mo Wagner your Duke boy my Duke boy so you know I'm I'm here for the Japari Parker <laughs> bench mob scene Jabari Parker Jason Tatum Duke, I'm here Duke for North. it I don't I could go on. I could go Gotta on. Got to get Grayson Allen now. <laughs> <laughs> Piss the rest of Boston off. Yeah. Oh, they'd hate, they'd hate it. They would hate it. But uh, let's talk about those recent additions. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Do you like the guys that Danny Age went and brought in to try and bolster the bench? Or do you think uh, he didn't quite get enough guys? Do you, do you think he got the wrong guys? Do you think he should have went out and did better? Yeah, you know um... – the Celtics have this funny thing where when you join the Boston Celtics, you immediately turn into a folktale that no one even knows are on the team because you don't play for a month. Um, that's just how the Celtics work. They're, you know, they're, they're jinxed. The Celtics are jinxed. Something happened to this team a couple of years ago where just they're going to get hurt. They're going to get COVID. They're going to, something's going to happen where they're going to, it's, it's going to be Kyrie Irving syndrome. I don't know, whatever. Something's going to happen to the Celtics where you don't play. So we haven't seen Evan Forney in a while. Uh, when he played, he looked great. He was nailing threes. I mean, the, the spacing on the yeah, the spacing on the floor was incredible when Fournier started playing. Like, Aside from the first game where he yeah. scored 
zero points on 10 shots to give the guy fairness he, he didn't know anything about the team he didn't know the rotations he didn't know anything obviously he had some open shots but it's probably some nerves after that he was knocking down threes like crazy i think he hit 11 or 10 in a row without missing mm-hmm. it was amazing um yeah you know fournier spaced the offense right out in the, those two games where he played i was like that was the best that was that was the purest basketball i've seen the celtics play since that stretch early last season when they had hayward healthy and he was also helping stretch the floor because when there's that another floor spacer instead of Semi Ojale or Grant Williams or Romeo Langford in the corner, there is so much more space. And Tatum has much room to operate. Brown has room to operate. You can't help off of anyone because if the lineup is Rob Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, and Evan Fournier, or Marcus Smart, you can spread them five wide. Everyone has to stay to their guy. If you help off, the Celtics will make you pay. They aren't doing that with Grant Williams or Semi Ojale. You can leave him open in the corner. Um, so I love the addition of Evan Fournier. Long term, not sure because he's a free agent, but for this season, I love Evan Fournier. Twenty points, pretty much twenty points a game, and uh, yeah, that's a huge boost. As far as Jabari Parker, I mean, that was out of nowhere. Mo Wagner obviously sucks, and that hurts me to say because I'm a, I mean, I'm a Michigan fan until I die. I know that pains you so much yeah, saying it, those it, words, so I won't make you repeat them. It, it pains me at the same time. It's reality. He's not a good player. Um, and Jabari Parker is a good – I mean, Jabari Parker, he's not a good defender, but Jabari Parker will will put 6 to 15 points in the bucket each game. He, he will. Like, absolutely. He's, he's I think a professional best, scorer. Exactly. Jabari Parker is not going to go over 30, but he's not going to give you zero. He's not going to go sit in the corner and be an offensive negative like most of our bench is. Danny Ainge said, I need to go get a guy that is going to come in and give buckets. And that was that's Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker, he's not really a shooter. I mean, he can shoot it a little bit, but – he is if you if you watch him closely Jabari Parker is great at cutting he's great at cutting to the hoop and that just opens up so much it pisses the defense off Mm -hmm. so yeah I love both those additions because you know between that it fills the bench out Jabari Parker um you know when when uh, Rob Williams comes back Tristan Thompson off the bench and then Fournier there's your eight-man rotation with the starters and if you need a ninth spark guy you bring in Pritchard and that's that's a, a legit nine-man playoff rotation that I can trust and I think can make a deep playoff run if they're all healthy, which I have like a three out of ten confidence. That <laughs> yeah, at this rate, they've been unable to stay healthy all season. It, it, it would be it would actually be a shock if they walked into the playoffs with all of their top players fully healthy, yeah. ready to go. And, and, and I'm all about petitions today, and I'm ready to write one to not let Grant Williams play in the playoffs because, man, he's just – he's a foul machine. He's a turnover machine. He's just – yeah, yeah, not enough said about him. Yep. Uh, do you have any thoughts about Luke Cornett? I, I, I have, I have, I think he's been fine personally in his big limited bird? minutes. Yeah, the big bird. <laughs> yeah, man, Danny Ainge called him big bird. That was the only good part of that broadcast. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's he could knock down the three. I mean, he's extremely lethargically slow moving when he shoots the three. Like it's hard for him to get it off, despite him being six eight. I mean, sorry, sorry, seven eight, whatever height he is. I know he's like seven one. But yeah, something like that. <laughs> he's no, he can he shoot the three a little bit. He's a good decision maker. So, and he actually kind of blocks shots in defense because he's so tall. Yeah. So, I don't hate Luke Cornett as like a, you know, if Robert Tristan get into foul trouble, bring Cornett in, let him throw a couple fouls at Embiid or Giannis and maybe knock down a three, get a block. He's a good like five minutes if you like break glass scenario kind of guy in the playoffs. Yeah. He's already had two games where he's gotten recorded three blocks or more for the Celtics. Yeah. So, and I've been preaching the fact that the Celtics still need rim protection. Uh, he, I know Robert Williams kind of fills that problem himself, uh, but his inability to get consistent uh, minutes and be on the court all the time kind of 
uh, doesn't help that cause at all. Um, I, I agree with just about everything that you've said about the recent additions. Uh, adding Fournier and Parker to your bench, that's a lot of scoring punch. I mean, you said it yourself. Fournier was a damn near 20-point-per-game score for the Atlanta Magic. He can be a bucket. Jabari Parker, although defense, like you said, really sus. Uh, he he can he's more than capable on the offensive end. And he that doesn't score. matter, right? Because you know our bench has Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Semi Ojale, yeah. Tristan Thompson. They're all good defenders, so you don't really need like you don't need another lockdown defender. If anything, you need a guy who is going to give you offense, and that's what Jabari Parker does. Yeah, like and, that. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, and Jabari, Jabari, uh, he he adds rebounds too. Like yeah. it's not going to be a lot, like, but he he can be an eleven and five guy off the bench. Exactly, and that's that is. And the best part is he's coming back next year too. And I, honestly, this feels a little Evan Turner, like Turnerish to me, you know, Evan Turner was kind of off the scrap heap as well. And they brought him in and got him a $79 million contract. I'm not saying we're going to get Jabari Parker, a $79 million contract. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> I mean, the King, the Kings, the Kings do not know how to use players, obviously. So Brad Stevens is going to get something out of Jabari Parker. When we're seeing that we're going to get six to 15 points a game from him. And that's amazing off the bench. Uh, the other thing about Fournier that is so important to notice is, Orlando wasn't using him right. They weren't, they don't use anyone right down in Orlando. Like they, you know, Aaron Gordon was playing the wrong style. Fournier was doing so much like, like, you know, ball control, trying to create offense, like pick and rolls. And that's off the the dribble, right? Fournier is not off. Like Fournier will thrive best, you know, just moving off screens and shooting open threes, like using Fournier, Fournier and almost that like JJ Reddick's like pseudo, like, you know, late career Ray Allen role is exactly what Evan Fournier should be doing as an NBA player because he has a beautiful shot. And when he's doing off the dribble stuff, it's going to bring his percentages down because he's not as skilled at that. Mm -hmm. So I I think overall, I would say Danny made some good moves. They weren't great, but they were good. And they addressed most of the needs that the Celtics had. Uh, It's just whether or not that they pan out. And if they bring, if they bring Fournier back all the power to him, cause that's, then, then that's a great, cause you got him for two second round picks realistically. Exactly. You, you, you got him for scraps. Let's face and it. He's only, what is he? 28 years old. So he's got another three years of prime. So if we give him a three year deal or something, I mean, that's a, that's an amazing player to have next to the, to Jalen and Jason mm-hmm. for the next couple of years, because it's going to give them so much space to operate on the floor. Exactly. Now, obviously someone's got to dish out the minutes to all these guys. That would be one Brad Stevens. Uh, I do want to real quick mention that it wasn't too long ago. Uh, I think it was a, what, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he was offered the Indiana university head coach position for a whopping seven years, $70 million. Holy fuck. Uh, and he said, no, and he turned it down. He said he was never interested in it. Like the Celtics is his dream job, as he should say that. Uh, but uh, thoughts thoughts on Brad Stevens turning down seven years, $10 million a year to go back to college. Yeah, man. You know, that's to me, that's that's just wild because, you know, Brad Stevens is obviously an Indiana legend. People cherish him there. People love him in Indiana. Like he is a legend in Indiana. And uh, to me, I mean, that's awesome to see as a Celtics fan, but like if you're Brad Stevens, you're coaching, like we talked about earlier, the most decorated NBA franchise, the most NBA titles. Some are going to say the Lakers have 17. No, the Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers have 12. The Minneapolis Lakers have five. 
The Celtics, the Boston Celtics have 17. Brad Stevens has the best job in basketball right now. I mean, there's, there's Duke basketball and there's the Boston Celtics. In my opinion, those are the two best jobs in basketball because they're the two most decorated programs. I mean, I, I guess besides IU, IU's up there, but you know, IU is not what it once was because Bobby Knight's not walking through those doors. And, you know, I, it's, it's a testament to show how good of a head coach we have. So those people who are constantly calling for Brad's job can, can look at these other franchises who are just can't figure it out. A head coach like new Orleans and Sacramento and then they can go look at college teams who are offering $70 million. Like that's absurd for college. That is and ridiculous. You can look at our head coach and be like, okay, we have a good head basketball coach. He is not the problem. Clearly he is not the problem. Cause when the Celtics are up, I don't know, they were up a huge number a couple of games ago against um, the Lakers. They were up like 27 or something like that. They, they sat Jalen Jason and you know, the starters with like nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter in the deep bench. Guess what they did. They blew a 27 point lead. So that shows Brad Stevens has had pretty much nothing to operate with all year. And I think for me, I'm very excited. Brad Stevens is extended for the next five to eight years, I believe. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised he turned it down, but the way in which he went about it and said, I didn't even consider it. That, that was a little surprising. To he me. considered it. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. He considered it. You, 70 you mil. I mean, you don't look at 10 million for seven years and just say, yeah, no. I mean, maybe, maybe Brad's making 70 million in Boston. We don't know because it's an NBA team and they pay more, but like, That's I wouldn't true. be shocked if Danny said, no, Brad, you're not leaving. Here's 70 million from us. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't know, but like, you know, I think it might now might be the time to spill the beans on what I was saying earlier about what I think is actually actually has been fixed for the Celtics because it has a lot oh, to do with Brad Stevens. Let's hear it. There, there is officially clearly defined roles in the Boston Celtics. That before when Daniel Tice was here, there was three big men who were vi- fighting for minutes, and we constantly had two bigs and potentially Grant Williams, which is basically a third big on the court. And you know there was no consistency in the bench, so every game Brad would go reaching for Tremont Waters or Carson Edwards or. A, like Aaron Neesmith or a deep bench guy that didn't need to be playing. And that was, that was harmful to a consistent rotation. Guys could either see, see 25 minutes one night and not play for the next five games. And like, no one was ready to go. There was no clearly defined roles. Now that Daniel Tice is gone, good player. In my opinion, I'd rather have Rob and Kristen Thompson. Just, I mean, I know that's a very debatable topic, but for me, that's what I'd rather have. And, you know, both those guys went healthy. If that ever happens, knows that they're going to get, 24 minutes each a game and maybe Cornette will come in if one of them gets in foul trouble. And then the, the, there's three wings now who are going to rotate through. That's Fournier, that's Tatum, and that's Brown. Uh, if, you know, if we need to throw a guy in, maybe Romeo, cause he's a solid defender, but three clearly defined roles, of the wings. And then it's Jeff Teague. See you later. Good riddance. Half fun in Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> J- and it's Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart and Peyton Pritchard. Now these guys know what they're going to be playing for minutes. They know what to expect. And, that makes it easier on Brad Stevens not having to try to balance all these crazy minutes and figure out how to play guys and make, keep them happy. Instead, it's just, it's in front of us and we have clearly defined roles and that is huge for team chemistry and success. Mm-hmm. Any coach knows that. I mean, it, it's, it's obvious. Yeah. I feel like Brad just spent way too much trying to tinker with, with the pieces he's working. Yeah. He has to work with and trying to make something out of, out of something. And I don't blame I him. It was getting ugly. It was, it was getting ugly. And you, you have to try. Cause if you don't, people are gonna be like, why are you just sticking with the same guy who sucks? You know, mm-hmm. it's like you had to try, but I don't blame him. I, it's hard. Yep. Totally agree there.
So let's talk about the Celtics upcoming schedule. Now it's actually looking pretty light. If we're being honest, they have, we're recording this on Thursday night. They've got the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow night. And after that game, they only play two more teams that are in the top six of their conference uh, in, their, in their final 12. Yeah, and have you. That Brooklyn Nets team won't have KD or Harden either. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a pretty easy Brooklyn. I mean, we'll probably still lose somehow, but <laughs> yeah. Kyrie will go for 75 in all the Celtics fans' faces. Kyrie Irving revenge game. <laughs> Again. Again. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, after that Brooklyn game, the only other two like really good teams that you would play are and really good might even be a stretch are the Portland Trailblazers who are six in the West who we just beat on that West Coast trip and the New York Knicks in the season finale who are like you said winners of eight straight they're hot the you know are they yeah. legit I don't know but and the other thing about Portland is I mean when was we I don't think we've lost to Portland in like three years I'm not kidding like they can't cover us because their wings suck yeah and they've rotated a bunch of wing players to try yeah. and figure that out and they just haven't been able to find the yeah. answer. we're we're looking good here you know if 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 they can not play down to the competition here if, if like and what i mean is like not losing to teams like the bulls and stuff like that uh they may be able to keep this this hot stretch going like we were talking about earlier they might be able to get that four seed i mean it's 100 percent in reach it's just they've got to take advantage of the fact that they're playing a, a teams like oklahoma city orlando cleveland minnesota i mean they get yeah they they have to play charlotte twice and miami twice and those teams are in that seven to ten seed range yeah yeah so those are those are kind of they're not gimmies by any stretch of the imagination but they're teams that the celtics should beat and please do not hold us accountable. Fixing to talk sports, please do not hold us, us accountable for saying that the Celtics are going to beat all these teams because we know it's going to be a random Tuesday night and we're going to lose the Timberwolves and everyone's going to be yelling for Danny and Brad's job. It's going to happen. Please don't come back to us and tell us what the hell. No, do you know what they're going to do? It's going to be a random Tuesday night, as in this upcoming Tuesday night as we record, and they're going to lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder at home, who they have no business losing to because guess what? Oklahoma City's lost like 8 million games in a row, 12 to be exact. But Shea, they'll find a way. Shea Gill just over 45 or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I saw the uh, – so I was I was look, digging into it a little bit. The Celtics do have the easiest remaining schedule in the NBA – the easiest. That is just unbelievable. And guess what? That, that is also there. The New York Knicks have the hardest remaining schedule in the NBA. And the New York Knicks are a couple ga- a game ahead of us. Uh, Atlanta has an extremely hard schedule to finish it out. Uh, Miami. And they've lost Trey Young for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Miami doesn't. Miami has a hard schedule as well. Um, ooh, it, all these teams are West Coast trips too. So these teams, those teams are in trouble. Um, as well as Charlotte, still not having Lamelo, they might not get Hayward back to the playoffs. So you know the Celtics are the Celtics are really set up here to get the four seed or at worst the five seed. Yeah, and I think that's where they want to be, presuming that the Sixers end up as the one seed. I don't know what your preference is, but if if Brooklyn is one, I honestly wouldn't hate it if they just kind of just chilled at six uh, yeah but we if can beat milwaukee yeah and that's the thing I, i'm confident that we can beat milwaukee or at least 
be very competitive in that series. Yeah. And we know we can beat the 76ers. I don't care how, what their record is. Neither do I. Those frauds. Um, but it's Brooklyn that I want to avoid. And so wherever they end up, I want to have to li- align myself to not have to play them till the conference final. There, and there's one thing I will say. There's one series I want, and it, there would be nothing that would give me joy more than seeing the New York Knicks in that 4-5 matchup. Oh. Simply because these – these New York fans right now, they are on top of the world. They haven't They're... seen, they haven't seen good basketball in, since they were born, <laughs> and that's sad. And I have some good friends who are Knicks fans, and man, they are insufferable right now. And like the Celtics, I think the Celtics would sweep them when they turn the when they turn the Jets on at worst five games. And oh man, would it be great to just ruin their day and see the Knicks get sent home that quickly in the first round. New York Knicks Twitter, they're on cloud nine right now. They, (laughs) they are in heaven. Like they haven't, like you've said, they have not witnessed such great basketball played in that arena, that city in a very long time. You're getting Julius Randle MVP comps calling him the new Patrick Ewing. I'm like, come on guys. Let's let, let's, you know, Jason Tatum's going to go in there and average 32 a game against you guys. And you're going to just go home packing in five. Like, Oh man, there is nothing more I want than a Boston Celtics, New York Knicks first round. You know, in my opinion, there is no bad first round matchup because you either get the Knicks and we get to send those clowns home. We get to, you know, write off the demons and try to beat the heat again. That would be incredible. You know, Danny Ainge wants it. You know, Danny Ainge wants it. As maybe mm-hmm. us as fans don't want it because I have nightmares in that band block still and all whatever, all that nonsense that we shouldn't have lost those clowns. Um, and then the other team is the Charlotte Hornets, you know, Boston South. So, <laughs> man, a lot of these first round matchups are setting up to be, you know, gold. And that's exciting for the NBA because usually the first round kind of sucks. Yeah, well, it won't be the first round that gets the playoffs going. It'll be the play-in tournament. So yeah. I, I kind of want to end on sort of a, a playoff outlook note here before we uh, hop off. The NBA has uh, sort of re- brought back the play-in tournament from last year in the bubble, but they kind of tweaked it a bit. Last year it was, oh, if you're the nine seed and you're – within three games of the eight seed, then you get to play a do or die game for the eight seed. Uh, or if the eight seed was in like within three games of the seven seed, something along those lines, uh, it, it was a little corny, but I like the thought of it. We only got one scenario that came into effect where I think the Grizzlies and I forget who they played. Portland. Portland. Yeah. Cause Portland yeah. was, uh, the, the team of destiny in the, uh, the, the bubble heroes outside of Phoenix. Um, and it only came into a play once, but this year they're doing a, a hard play in series where mm-hmm. nine and 10 will play each other in an elimination game. Seven and eight will play each other for the seven seed. The winner of nine, 10 will play the loser of seven, eight for that eighth and final playoff spot. I think this is great. I know that uh, maybe getting, that's a 10 team playoff, so to speak, where you got 20 of a possible 30 teams uh, in the playoffs might seem like a lot, but considering it's not like a, a, a true five, seven game series. Like I, I like this concept. It, it feels like the NBA version of the wild card for MLB. Uh, and so I like it. I don't know what your thoughts about, it, but what do you think about the play in structure for this year? Yeah. You know, um, 
I, I like it, uh, especially with some of the potential matchups we might get. And, you know, the one that catches my eye is we might see Steph Curry versus Luka Doncic in a, oh. in a, in a game that could, man, just Steph Curry go and Luka Doncic going, tick for whatever, just going back and forth all game. And that would just, that would be, the ratings would be through the roof on that one. Um, I'm not, I don't, I don't think either of those teams are really a contender, but I mean, I guess if the Mavs turned it on and Porzingis figured it out, um, and then on the East, you know, you see Miami, if they get hot again, uh, if they end up in the playing game, that's another team that you're like, man, maybe they can make another run. So hey, I like it. You know, it's going to be entertaining. It's going to, it's, it's going to be good for ratings. It's going to give you some excitement early in the playoffs. Cause usually the first round kind of is a, is a sleeper. Yeah. Cause it's, it's just straight chalk usually in the yeah, NBA. Very rarely does a, a lower seed up end a, a, a higher seed. If, and if you do see it, it's usually the four or five you hardly ever see the one or the two go down in the first round just because that's how the NBA is. The t- talent just rises to the top. Yeah. Um, but absolutely. I, I mean, the Celtics are only a game out of this play in tournament. They are sitting uh, currently in the sixth spot tied for fifth. I mean, I know we talked about their schedule and I know we talked about the teams around them having much more difficult schedules, but I mean, if things were to go terribly wrong, the Celtics could very easily find themselves in this play-in tournament, uh, and they could find themselves in a play-in tournament with the Miami Heat. And that would be a wild scenario. The two teams that were playing in the Eastern Conference Finals now just playing each other, just scrapping to get into the field of 16. Yeah, you know, you listen, I am here today promising you the Boston Celtics will not be in the playing tournament. If they are, I will come back onto this podcast and turn in my headset, hang it up. And you know, it's not even your headset. That doesn't even count. (laughs) Maybe I'll, maybe I'll become a, uh, you know, like I said, I've talked about it before. I'll I'll become a soccer fan. Oh no, 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 no. You take that back. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, no, I I don't think the Celtics will be like schedules won't allow it to happen. The Celtics are getting hot. Fournier is going to come back. Time Lord's going to come. I mean, the Celtics are missing three of their, of their six best players and there's they're eight and two in their last 10 the celtics are going to end up as the four seed in my opinion and listen maybe we get brooklyn round one i personally i i thought brooklyn was going to roll over to the finals but you know every time i look at twitter it's oh james harden setback kevin durant setback Kyrie irving stepping out are they going to be i mean i i know they could step on the floor and have the most ridiculous talent and win no problem but they probably will I think there's a, like the tiniest window. I'm talking like one of those really tall basement windows, you know, uh, they're close <laughs> to the ceiling, like tiny little window here where maybe a team catches Brooklyn at the right time. It can upset them. So I'm not counting it out. Hey, there's maybe a 3% chance the Boston Celtics end up in the NBA finals, but I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I do think that you do need to hope for Brooklyn to, to be without at least one of those two to realistically have a shot uh, or one of those three rather to be without a shot. But the way it's been going on this whole season, that seems like a plausible scenario. Uh, Maybe they're just casually just going along and just kind of taking their time and waiting to uh, fully assemble the, 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 the death trio of those three until the playoffs. But, but, we saw this happen last year. We thought the Clippers were going to roll right to the finals. They looked, and then they didn't, they didn't play together. And then when it came down to it and they needed to make stops, they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe Milwaukee gets hot in round two and knocks them out. Cause if Milwaukee knocked out Brooklyn, then I think Boston can make the finals. If Brooklyn's healthy and playing well, there's no chance the Celtics can beat them. But like, 
you know, I'm not ruling it completely out. The Celtics play down to their competition, but they also play up with the best teams in the league. Like the Celtics, when fully healthy, they are, in my opinion, one of the best teams in the league, like highest ceilings in the league. They have the talent, they have the coaching, they have the, you know, they have it. Their yeah. bench is good now when they're healthy, obviously not with what we have on the second, but yeah, you know, I'm not saying it's a wipe. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I mean, given the fact that they went out tonight, they took out, they beat the second best team in the NBA without Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, Evan Fournier. I mean, that's, and a Jason Tatum three for 17 shooting performance. And they still won by 13 held that held them to 86 points. The Celtics, man, the Celtics, you know, you, you can never, never count a team from Boston out. We, we've heard, we've, man, we've seen this movie so many times. Like how many times in our life do we need to see this movie where you count the Patriots out, you count the Red Sox out, you count the Celtics out and bam, there we go. Conference finals, NBA finals, NFL, I mean, Super Bowl, whatever, World mm-hmm. Series. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's a sports town. It's a sports town. And, you know, as these fans comes back, the heart never dies. The heart and soul of the city just keeps beating. All right, let's wrap up with uh, just a little bit of talk about the Western Conference top players uh, before we sign off. Not players, teams rather. Uh, The Jazz and the Suns are one and two in the West, the top two teams in the NBA by record. Do you think they are actual title contenders, Squid? Oh, that's, you know, that's that's a hard question because it really, like, in, I almost say, in my opinion, in my opinion, the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz has have as much of a chance to win the NBA Finals as the Boston Celtics do. And it's a small percentage because, you know, none of those teams have a top five player. None of them do. Hmm. They have, you know, top 15 guys kind of scattered throughout those teams. But they don't, you know, they move the ball great. They have veteran leaders, whatever, blah, 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 blah. If they're running the Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they're probably losing, in my opinion. You need You need that top guy. And I'm not saying, I mean, maybe Donovan Mitchell goes supernova and goes for averages 40 a game and does it. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe Devin Booker and Chris Paul, you know, pull it together. And I'm not that they haven't all year, but it's a regular season teams. LeBron and LeBron and AD flip the switch. It's going to happen. Like, I don't know. And I'm yeah. starting to, I'm starting to fall in love with, with what the Clippers are doing. I'm falling for the trap. I'm falling for it. <laughs> Yeah, see, it's it. the Western Conference is shaping up to actually be very interesting because the teams with the best records right now are teams that maybe you don't consider as true top ten, top tier, top of the end title contenders. And you've got the, the Nuggets, the Lakers, and the Clippers sitting in that 3-4-5 range. Uh, so it's – I mean, obviously the, re- the reason the Lakers are fifth is because they've been without LeBron and AD yeah. for an extended period of time. And that's and they've expect- held it together. Yeah, the fact that they haven't continually plummeted. They're, they've been able to win every other game about uh, – be a 500 club and kind of hold the ship tight for the time being. I mean, that says a lot about the, the at least the, the supporting cast around LeBron and AD and kind of goes to show you why they were NBA champions aside from having LeBron James and Anthony Davis uh, yeah. last year. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for the playoff push. I think it's going to be super interesting on both the East and West side. I think the play-in tournament uh, should be really cool, uh, regardless of who's in it and what the matchups are. Uh, I'm I, I'm for sure going to be tuning in as long as nothing pops up. Uh, but 
I think that's going to do it for this yeah. episode. Real quick, if you if you don't mind, I have one question for you. Yeah, go ahead. You know, if if you had, you know, you have to, you have all the money you have, it's on the line. How many teams out of the West can actually get to the finals? How many teams do you think can actually do it? Like, it's realistic that they can do it. Because, like, to me, it's two. I only think the LA teams can. I like, I would have said Denver before they lost Jamal Murray, and that's to me that might be too much of a blow. Um, I personally only think two teams can make it. It would it would take either just a wild upset or injuries for Phoenix or Utah, in my opinion. I I think it's three. I agree. It's the the Lakers teams, uh, the the LA teams. Yeah, Denver's probably. I think Denver would have been four for me, or three or four. Um, but I'm I I I got some stock in the Suns. Yeah. I know that they shit the bed tonight against us, and I'm happy. It was a back to back. It was a back to back. Yeah, to be fair. Uh, but I, I really like what Chris Paul has brought to this team. I think he's legitimized the team. I don't think they're a a, a, a bona fide championship contending team, but I think that it's a team that can most certainly get to the conference finals and compete in that round if they get hot at the right time, right? Yeah. I, I mean, just yeah. I don't think the Jazz can because I just think that the Jazz are the perennial. Oh, we'll we'll have like a 700 win percentage. We'll be at the top of the conference standings, but when the playoffs come around, we don't have the the clutch factor. All of the Bucks, the you know any any team coached by Mike Budenholzer or uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. or the, the Isaiah Thomas Celtics. You know those teams that just are hot. Yeah, you know I agree with you. You know the Suns, I guess because they have Chris Paul, but like. For me, I'm like, is Booker ready? Is Aiton ready? Is and that's the thing. I don't, ready? I don't know if they are, but yeah. I've seen the, the song and dance with the Utah Jazz. I know Donovan Mitchell played out of his freaking mind last year at times to fuel that team. Uh, and he had some unreal performances in a couple of games. Uh, he had those duels with uh, Jamal Murray. Those were incredible. But I, I don't think that we've seen this Jazz team for a, a few years now yeah. and i think it's the same old song and dance there's no secondary real score after i mean they can they can all pitch in like 15 to 25 but like if d mitch is off who's taking over yeah and that's the thing their their second best player rudy gobert is like yeah he's just a, a lob and dunk guy like he's Clarkson not a shooter and, yeah and bogdanovich are more like they're more like secondary scorers yeah it, joel Ing, uh, joe ingles is a, is a great shooter he's one of the yeah. best in the league right now i his shot looks fucking ugly I'm again just, secondary though right like yeah and, and and that and that touches home in the point where it's like i guess phoenix because you know booker and paul can if one's off the other can take over but you know i just i agree if book booker is a bad man and if, if he if he gets in my opinion, he's going to extend this ridiculous, like this ridiculous reign we've seen from these light skinned brothers, Steph Curry and uh, Clay Thompson, the Splash Bros. You know, in my opinion, D Book's the third Splash Bro, and he's going to continue that legacy on for the next ten years. And I think D Book's ready for the moment when it comes for him. Yeah. So I, I, w- I would say it's three that that I would swap the Suns in for the Nuggets after the Jamal Murray injury. I'm with but, you. But uh, I think that's going to do it. Do you have any final thoughts on the Celtics before we sign off here? Uh, I, I, I just want to say we, I, I think we are solely responsible for turning the Celtic season around. Uh, you know, Thank you. I think we're responsible for it. I think we, I think it was us. It was on, on this podcast. We did it. So we will take our, we will take our thank yous. Just our emails are open. 
Uh, Venmos are open as well. Venmos are Ven- open as well. Ven- yeah. Venmos yeah. are open as well. Wick, work, that, that's you, Wick. Wick, or Wick. <laughs> you also Venmo. All righty. But that's going to do it on this episode of Fixing the Talk Sports. So for Anthony Squid Gabriella and producer Nitchie, I'm Ryan Brown. We'll see you next time. Thank you.